Welcome to Breaking Through. I'm Madeline Bell, President and CEO of Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. And I'm here today with Dr. Tina Master. Dr. Master is a sports medicine pediatrician at CHOP. She's also an expert on concussion, a form of traumatic brain injury that affects thousands of children each year. Dr. Master is one of the founders of CHOP's Minds Matter program. This program is nationally known for its innovative approach to caring for children who have concussion. Dr. Master, why don't you begin by telling us a little more about the Minds Matter program? So we were starting nine years ago in terms of looking at our concussion care in the CHOP Care Network and realized that we hadn't done anything in terms of updating our information, our approach, educating our physicians and nurses and people who care for children with concussion in probably almost 20 years. At that time, there was an increased awareness with regard to concussions and sports that was trickling down to youth sports and then kids in general getting concussions. And so we really had a need opportunity in 2011 to bring together a multidisciplinary group of experts who took care of children with concussion at CHOP and developed a multidisciplinary approach to diagnosing, managing, and making sure that kids got optimal care for concussion. And when you say multidisciplinary, what what types of doctors, what types of specialties um, come together? That's a great question because I think lots of people will think immediately that you're just going to see either a neurologist or a neurosurgeon. But actually these days, for a lot of kids who have sports concussions, sports medicine is one of the ways that you'll eventually first get care. And so those are pediatricians that are trained in sports medicine, both musculoskeletal as well as concussion. Many kids go through the emergency department to get care for their concussion. So it's important that emergency medicine and physicians be trained in caring for concussions. And as it turns out, in one of our publications from our research that we did, we realized that actually primary care pediatricians are an incredibly important link in terms of taking care of kids with concussion. Early on, that's where they seek care, that's where their medical home is. And so making sure that all of those people were at the table in terms of keeping up with all of the updates and the changes that were happening in concussion care and recognition, definition, and management, and then also recognizing what the changes were in the legal landscape with all the state laws that were being passed at that time, that all of those people were important players in terms of making sure that kids got the right care early on before concussion. So is that part of the innovative approach that you have to diagnosing and treating concussion, some of what you just said, or is there more to it than that? Yes, absolutely. So part of the initial effort that we did updating all of our physicians on concussion diagnosis was helping them realize that there were advances that had been made in the recent decade where there are definitely visual and vestibular, oculomotor and balance deficits that can be detected. It used to be that when a kid would see a pediatrician, the pediatrician would say, well, I think you have a concussion, but your physical exam is normal. Now we know that if you look at the right systems, you can identify deficits and that can help you make that diagnosis. And that turns out to be really helpful in terms of how you manage concussions and has also revolutionized our approach to managing kids who have a slightly prolonged recovery from concussions as well. Is there something specific that you've pioneered in terms of treatment strategies? Sure. One thing that we really have been focused on in both our clinical care and our research, as well as our outreach and raising awareness, is the fact that visual system issues are 
definitely affected after concussion. And it's more than just visual acuity. So most people will think about vision as being merely an issue of, are you 20-20? Can you see you know, with each eye singly in a clear way without refraction to correct your vision? It turns out that vision is a much more complex function, that we are binocular beings. We have two eyes. They have to work in a coordinated fashion. Those two eyes work together to help manage visual stimuli as well as motion stimuli. The vision aspect has been really huge for us in terms of recognizing that that was an issue, recognizing that we could identify those deficits on clinical exam, and recognizing that that has an impact on kids when they're trying to recover and return to their activities, whether it's school and academics or sports and recreation. You really use your eyes so much for all of that. And so that's been an important piece in terms of both recognizing that in the diagnosis, recognizing how to make accommodations and support kids when they're recovering with those deficits. And then for some kids, if they have a longer recovery, having that as a target to treat concussion and get them better more quickly rather than just giving them more time. And with all that you're doing to diagnose and treat concussion, do you feel like you've improved outcomes? And in what ways have you done that? Absolutely. I do think that we've demonstrated both in our clinical arena as well as in some of the research studies that we've done. One of the things that's been really powerful about the work that we do at SHOP is the fact that we have a unified electronic health record across the entire network. And so that was a unique opportunity for us to get out important, timely clinical decision support tools to our physicians, whether they were in the ER or in primary care or in specialty care, such as sports medicine or neurology, that help them recognize what questions do you ask about symptoms and deficits and problems with the concussion? What are the physical exam findings that you should be looking for that aren't just simply a general exam, but are focused on the visual system and the oculomotor system? And then standardizing the approach to have a child initially take a little bit of a break after an injury but then gradually return to activities, how to manage that return in a way where they modulate their activities and go back gradually. And then if they have a little bit of a longer recovery, how to actively try and treat and rehabilitate those deficits to get them back fully. So we've had a chance to make a big difference there. And what we found was that before we did this intervention in the 2011-2012 year, very few kids were actually getting very specific return to learn and return to play instructions. And then after our training and intervention and the use of the electronic health record clinical decision support tool, over 90% of our kids were getting instructions that were detailed and specific about both return to play as well as return to learn, which is really a kid's primary job. And so that was a great success in terms of really trying to improve outcomes for kids. So using the electronic record to help guide physicians' decision-making and giving them lots of resources based on your research has really improved the outcomes. That's great. Yeah, it's been very exciting. So you and I had the opportunity, I can't believe it was 2014. I know. But we traveled together to Washington, D.C. to participate in a White House summit on youth sports and concussion. Just being at the White House and having the opportunity to go with you was was so much fun. But what was most meaningful? What were your takeaways from that summit? 
Yes, I think that that was one of the events that really consolidated the fact that there had been a lot of interest in the lay press and in the public domain about concussions, where people were recognizing that it wasn't just a castaway, throwaway, nothing to worry about injury of childhood. Many kids do recover and don't have any problems, but it was important to also recognize that there are some kids who do have problems and try and understand that because it was becoming more and more of a common phenomenon. I think with kids participating more in sports, more in year-round sports, and at younger ages, that that ended up being a real watershed moment in terms of really highlighting to the American public that this was an important public health issue, not just something that happened in certain pockets for certain folks that aren't me, but that this happens pretty broadly and probably it's someone that you know and love, and we need to make a push to understand it better in order to improve outcomes and quality of life for kids. You've mentioned sports a number of times, but I understand that not all concussions come from sports injuries. That's actually a very important point to make. So besides being a sports medicine pediatrician, I am still a general pediatrician as well. And that's probably my first love. And from that standpoint, both in my practice as well as in our research, it's been borne out that in kids, sports probably only account for about 60% of concussions. And so the other message that we've been trying to get out both to the public and to our patients and families is to be aware that concussions can happen anywhere. Having awareness on the part of kids and their parents in terms of how you can get concussions is important because recognition is the first step to managing a concussion. If you were to look at that in the adult sector, it's similar, but particularly for kids, sports is not the only way that you get concussions and obviously can have an effect on all aspects of your life, no matter where you get it. So that's a great point. Well, I think a lot of people would be surprised to hear about that. I bet you a lot of pediatricians would be surprised to hear about that too. Probably. So I'm glad you're getting word out there. Tell me what you're excited about next with the research and treatment for concussion. Is there something that you're working on that's really exciting to you? Yes, there's actually a lot that we're working on that's exciting. The two things that I would probably highlight is the fact that we are really trying to move the ball forward in terms of how we diagnose concussion. Right now, concussion is still a subjective clinical diagnosis where you have an injury and the child tells you that they have symptoms. Those symptoms sound like they were caused by a concussion. They're new onset after the injury. Because of the work that we've done, our physicians and nurse practitioners and clinicians are better able to try and identify those deficits that are caused causing those clinical symptoms, but it's still by and large a clinical diagnosis. One of the things that we're excited about in terms of what we're doing with our research that's funded by the NIH is looking at physiological markers. We're trying to think a little bit outside the box about biomarkers, so not just blood or body fluids like urine or saliva, but actually understanding the physiology. And we live in a technological era now where we can harness technology to try and quantify these physiological deficits. So the things that our pediatricians are assessing on their clinical exam, we can use technology to quantify. We're looking at things like eye tracking, pupillometry, and balance, also functional near-infrared spectroscopy, which looks at your oxygenation to your brain as a function of workload for your brain. Hopefully, in the near future, we're going to have some set of diagnostics that are objective and quantifiable, where we'll be able to make the diagnosis and then be able to use those to follow kids through to know when they are safe and recovered and ready to return to all their activities. So that's one area that we're really excited about. How about on the treatment side? You've talked a lot about diagnosing, but once a child has a diagnosed concussion, 
What are the, some of the exciting things that we're doing in the area of treatment? Yes, absolutely. And that would be the other thing that I think is a real exciting area that we are involved in and would love to get the word out to folks so that they can understand what we're doing and how they can help us with this. We have a very exciting clinical trial on a nutraceutical drink that we are working with one of our brilliant researchers, Dr. Akiva Cohen. We feel it's very promising that this drink is going to be an acute treatment within 48 to 72 hours of injury. You can enroll in our study where you would get potentially this treatment as a drink. This is one of the most promising, I think, nutraceutical or pharmaceutical treatments that's out there. There have been a lot of studies looking at things like vitamin D and omega-3 fatty acids, and none of them have really panned out in terms of being an effective treatment for concussion. We think there's a really great biological basis for this particular nutraceutical as a treatment for concussion, so we're excited about that. In addition, we're taking a very active approach to treating concussion now. The other modalities that we use to treat concussion involve rehabilitation treatments. And so not only do we use that for our chronic kids who have longer recoveries, including vestibular and vision rehabilitation, but even looking at aerobic rehabilitation and looking at that early on. We have a grant from our Sports Medicine Foundation, the American Medical Society for Sports Medicine, where they are funding a multi-center trial to examine early exercise exercise and how do we do that in a controlled manner, not just saying to a kid, oh, go out there and exercise and do whatever you want, because we know that that sometimes can backfire on us, but that we actually use an exercise prescription. There's a really good biological basis for a rehabilitative intervention like that to treat concussion as well. So I think there's going to be a lot of avenues and more to come in terms of treatment. And so many of the people that are listening are parents or maybe they're coaches or athletic trainers. Like, What are the most important tips that you have? for people about preventing concussion and signs and symptoms to look for? You, you mentioned some of them, but is there anything else that you could pass on to the audience? Yes, that's a great question. From the standpoint of prevention, what we would say is that there's primary prevention and secondary prevention. In terms of primary prevention, you should always be wearing your seatbelt when you're riding in a car because motor vehicle accidents are a common cause of concussion. And it's not that uh, the seatbelt will prevent a concussion, but it will prevent you from having a more serious injury for sure. Certainly in terms of sports participation, we would encourage kids to always be playing heads up. USA Football has a heads up program that involves coaching skills where Kids are playing in a very body aware fashion. So they're aware of where they are in the field, where they are in relation to the ball and where they are in relation to other opponents. Being aware is really important, you know, for my sons who play ice hockey. It's the equivalent of, you know, not looking at the puck and keeping your head down, but keeping your head up while you're trying to manage the puck. The whole idea of playing sports in a body-aware fashion and being aware of your surroundings so you can protect yourself. The other aspect from a primary prevention standpoint is also managing your risk. One of the issues that has contributed to the increased rates of concussion in kids is what we would describe as the professionalization of youth sports. It's probably not necessary for our kids to play in multiple teams simultaneously because it does increase their risk and their exposure for not just concussion, but other injuries like overuse injuries um, and musculoskeletal injuries. And so taking a reasonable approach to use sports as opposed to the sort of all or nothing kind of approach, I think there is definitely some middle ground there. 
In terms of secondary prevention, that links up to recognition of concussion symptoms. The more that patients and families are aware of what the symptoms are, the most common one obviously is a headache, but other ones include feeling a little foggy, feeling slow, having dizziness or visual problems, and sometimes kids don't realize that those are concussion problems. Also recognizing that a concussion can occur even if you don't get a direct hit to the head, that you could have been hit very hard you know, on your body. You may have fallen and not actually hit your head, but just had a big jolt to the brain, that a direct hit to the head is not necessary to sustain a concussion. So being aware of all of those things can help parents and kids when they are faced with symptoms that can sometimes be a little bit nonspecific and a little bit hard to put together. And then what we would say is that once you've recognized that, that secondary prevention is really not going back into the game, not continuing to play in the game. There's really, really strong evidence coming out that continuing to play in a sport, in a game, after you've been injured, actually increases your time out from that sport. So the earlier you pull yourself out, if you think you have a concussion, the faster you'll get back to the game after having recovered from that injury. So one of the big messages we like to get out is that kids can be very proactive on their own behalf. And then coaches being aware and being attentive and listening to their athletes is really important. So those would be the few things that we would say would make a big difference in terms of preventing the consequences of concussion. Well, those are terrific tips. And I learned a lot just from the few minutes you mentioned them. One of the things that I do in this podcast is I always ask people about a breakthrough moment in their career. And I was wondering if you could share what your breakthrough moment has been. I think back actually to one of my early hockey patients who really was having a very, very long recovery, was doing a lot of what we already established as vestibular rehabilitation that was effective and helpful for concussion. But he still had a lot of visual issues, just tremendous visual issues. And so at that point, point, we decided that we'd have him get evaluated for vision rehabilitation, and that made all the difference for him. That really opened up my clinician eyes in terms of recognizing that kids may have a hard time initially identifying them, but we keep at it and identify these issues in terms of the symptoms and the problems that they cause. And then again, if vestibular therapy wasn't going to be enough, not settling for well, I don't know, and I have no more answers for you. Have a nice life. But saying, okay, let's try and think outside the box. Let's collaborate with our expert optometrists here in Philadelphia and see what we can figure out to really make a difference for this kid in terms of both his quality of life and return to his full activities. So that was one of the big breakthrough moments. Listening to your patients and hearing what they have to say makes a huge difference in terms of what we can learn from them and how we can then translate that into improvements for them and their outcomes. Well, that's a great breakthrough. I think that what you're saying is none of this is clear and black and white, that there's a lot of it that's listening to your patients and helping them to help you know how to treat them. So that's a great story. So that's all the time we have for today. Dr. Master, I just want to thank you for joining me to learn more about how you can be part of tomorrow's breakthroughs at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. Please visit chop.edu slash giving at chop. We make breakthroughs every day. I'm Madeline Bell, and thank you for listening.